Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Connor Burr. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you guys as always. And today it is time to check in on Tar Heel Fall Camp once again. And this time to do it, we're going to do it with Shelby Swanson. She is a writer for the Daily Tar Heel. She is an editor for the Daily Tar Heel, actually. Uh, also does uh, some stuff for uh, News and Observer, as well as the Chatham News and Record uh, so, uh, Shelby, you were telling me, you know, before I got on here, you know, this is your first time that you've really been out of fall camp uh, for the Tar Heels, been out there covering them day in and day out. So what has that experience been like, being able to get out there and, and kind of experience all of this in person on a daily basis? Yeah, man, I it's been great. Um, you know, we typically the way that fall camp runs is they will have a practice in the morning, let's say around 10 a.m., um, bring reporters in around noon or 1230 and we'll either get to talk to requested players or sometimes, you know, um, a coordinator, sometimes Mac Brown. But really, it's just kind of a unique thing to be inside that practice facility and be able to get glimpses of the last bit of practice you know that's not what we're there for but just see what we can okay. see you know in the huddle and um also just the two open practices um that have been available to us have been super informative just to see you know what drills are going on who's looking good trying to kind of get a glimpse at who we think 
um, will be top of the depth chart. Again, a lot of kind of speculation at this point, but we're also there for really exciting and shocking things like obviously the recent news with Tez Walker, which I understand we're probably going to get into a bit later. Yeah, yeah, we definitely have to. Um, and, and really, that's the first thing that I want to start out with is, you know, you've been there the last couple of days. Uh, you know, we've heard the coordinators talk each of the last two days, Gene yesterday, and then Chip Lindsay actually today. What is the energy like around the team, you know, following the decision of Tez Walker? Do you notice some sort of difference or, or are guys just kind of saying, look, it is what it is and we're just going to go about it the way we've been going about it so far? Right. I will say, honestly, I think the energy shift more so came from the media side of things, if I'm being honest. I mean, just mm -hmm. to kind of share some background. So last week we were actually supposed to hear from um, Gene Chizik, obviously assistant head coach for the defense, following the mm -hmm. open practice on Tuesday. Instead, you know, I see Mac Brown walking up with a highlights of the paper. I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Um, and, you know, he broke the news that this decision had been reached in uh, regards to Tez Walker's immediate eligibility waiver. And just as a clarifying note, it happens, my understanding is a few weeks ago, but they were just informing the media of it now. And part of the reason mm. they said that they were doing that is because, and that's, that's something that I think a lot of people have missed is this wasn't like just handed down this week. It's more of this is when we've all been aware of it. But anyways, the reason they said that they brought this forward is because um, Mac Brown, also assistant head coach Lonnie Galloway, who works specifically with the wideouts, really noticed just the impact that this has had on Tez Walker. You know, this is a kid, he's a Charlotte native, wanted to come back to UNC. It's always been his dream school so that he could be closer to his grandmother, who he said in a statement helped raise him. And she's been suffering some ailments. So um, just the impact that this has had for him to hear that now he might not be able to play. Um, I think that was something that was really weighing heavily on him. So they decided to kind of come out and go public with all this information. Mm -hmm. um, Mac Brown seemed fairly confident that, you know, this will all be resolved. He said, quote, when the NCAA understands what this is really about, he will be eligible. So I would say, obviously, you know, kind of heavy emotions around that. This is a really big deal, both for that individual and also for the team as a whole. But at the same time, they're essentially full go on Walker. I mean, training as if he will play today. Mm. Um, offensive coordinator Chip Lindsay said that they are full speed with Walker. They feel like they have a great case. So really in terms of approach, the team is still moving forward, assuming he'll be cleared. And I mean, that same practice, open practice on Tuesday, that's um, the media was informed about this whole waiver ordeal. Tez was out there suited up and playing. So you can obviously imagine the surprise when um, this news was delivered. Yeah, I mean, I think it really did catch everybody off guard. And I mean, yeah, they said during right. the presser that, look, he's still going to be out there practicing with us and everything like that. But it, it, it actually is kind of encouraging uh, what you mm -hmm. just said at the start there that, hey, this is not something that came down just the other day. And they literally announced it the day it came down because that means that they have already submitted the appeal. They probably did right. almost immediately. And that means that there's a chance because I think a lot of Toriel fans were concerned. Hey, we're 20, I think it was 25, 26 days at the time away from the start of the season. Is that enough time? So that's that's actually good to hear that maybe this was something that had been, you know, that, that they had started the appeal process on already. 
Now, here's the thing. If for some reason Walker is not able to be out there, I mean, how big of an impact do you think it is? Because, I mean, you're talking about a preseason all-ACC guy, right. a guy that was on the Bolitnikoff award watch list. I mean, that's a, that's got to be a huge deal, right? No, 100%. I mean, completely there with you. By all means, he was and still, I mean, you know, was, still can be UNC's mm-hmm. top wide receiver this season. I mean, I was talking just – kind of casually with a friend yesterday just trying to put this in perspective I mean it's like if you said last season around this time oh Josh Downs is ineligible like that is kind of the impact that we are looking at um again no clue to this point whether or not he'll play what kind of season he'll have but that is in terms of just the hype surrounding this transfer what we're looking at um if he's out I think just in terms of some people that will need to step up around him um Mm -hmm. jj jones i think is already going to be huge for unc this year just going off of his incredible season as a sophomore appeared in 14 games 12 starts finished the year with 24 receptions for 434 receiving yards now he fills in more kind of as an x receiver but i still think that's you know if we're talking about people around um tez walker that's are going to need to step up. I think all eyes are going to him. And again, I think in this offense, as we also discussed with Gene Chizik on the defense, UNC as a whole just really isn't afraid to move people around. And, you know, if you're talking about a difference in losing your potential top, you know, target in terms of wide receivers, like that might need to be in the conversation of, just moving some people around kind of figuring that out but again at this point um I don't think that they are operating on Mm. an if basis it's more of a win basis and that win being when Tez is cleared I think UNC is pretty confident that this will be resolved in time for um that game against South Carolina on September 2nd it'll be interesting to watch too like if they start getting closer and closer and they don't have a ruling what they start to do, right. they start working in J.J. Jones a little bit more. Um, one of the things that I've, I've really been encouraged by hearing Mac Brown speak is, you know, a guy like Christian Hamilton, true freshman, came in mm. early enrolled. He talked a lot about him in the spring. Haven't heard about uh, as much, although we haven't heard from Mac, but once so far uh, here in fall practice, uh, outside of, of course, the announcement uh, of Tez Walker's situation. So, uh, I think that's a guy as well that is probably worth keeping an eye on if Tez Walker is ineligible. But yeah, we'll have to see. The staff feels pretty confident. And I think at this point, all Toriel fans can do is kind of sit and hope and pray. Um, you go over to the defensive side of the ball and, you know, there's there's a thought. It's not just from Mac Brown. Mac Brown at ACC Media Day says that he thinks this can be a good defense. But we heard it yesterday from Gene Chizik that he feels like this defense is taking a step in year two. He feels like there's an understanding. They're playing faster. They're playing more violent. Um, you know, why, why do you think that there is that confidence around this defense this year? And do you believe that they're actually capable of improving the way that the coaches are talking right now? Right. I mean, that's – it's a big question. I think really um, what it keeps coming back to, and I think has been 
just a common topic in terms of just the presser yesterday is that I think Gene Chizik is finding a lot more comfort in year two. You know, people forget that last year he was coming back from, you know, similar to kind of similar situation to Mac Brown was a few years before, but he had left, he was doing TV, he's back in the coaching seat. And he talked about at the press conference yesterday, just, I mean, that first game looking around like, wow, the game has changed so much, even in the few years that I've been, you know, not that he was out of the loop, but he wasn't in a position, a coaching position. Um, And right now, I think some of the common, you know, buzzwords that came out, he's preaching a mantra of violence and speed. He feels like the defense has a sense of urgency. And while, you know, he's had some line, like, you know, I've always played like I have, or I've always coached, you know, like I have a chip on my shoulder. He really feels like (laughs) there is that chip on the shoulder this year. I mean, the defense was a common topic of conversation at the ACC football kickoff, you know, every single mm-hmm. um, media availability, it seemed like that Mac and the three players were circulating to just questions about the defense. How's the defense going to improve? They know that the emphasis is on them. I mean, they have a potentially like generational draft prospect on the other side of the ball and Drake may. Mm-hmm. Um, so really there's just so much focus and intentionality going into that defense. Um, Chiswick talked about again on Thursday, um, removing the gray in terms of just keeping things simple for players, um, improving technique all around. He also talked about working from the back to the front. Um, but it seems like there is just really a focus on intentionality technique. And if players have any, you know, questions, anything they're kind of Eh, about again removing mm-hmm. the gray like we are going to sit down and talk with them make sure everybody is on the same page and I think another thing just to bring up in terms of the defense is I think Cedric Gray again is going to be that person who is the um, on the field voice on the field leader that was also a name that's come up a lot so far in fall camp yeah and look I saw the all access show that dude is as great of a leader as it gets he's also he just loves going after Drake May which I think is hilarious because Drake just pretty much ignores him so um but no it's it's uh I I think there's a reason to be confident I I gotta tell you the comment that was really the most interesting to me was the one that you brought up there playing from the back to the front it's very rare that you hear that usually you hear a lot of D coordinators talk about we need to win at the line of scrimmage, and that will sort of influence how our defense looks. And I feel like a lot of Toriel fans feel like that too. But he said, look, if our secondary is as good as you know we, we think it can be, then that will allow us to have a chance to be a really good defense. So that'll certainly be something that's interesting to keep an eye on. Now, you've, you've been out there for every one of the practices, or most of the practices at least, and you yep. know there have been a few chances for you and the rest of the media to sort of get a look at you know what the team is doing out there. You mentioned you got to see them a little bit in full pads uh, yesterday. Is there someone you know so far, or, or maybe a couple of guys so far that are really grabbing your attention so far in, in fall camp that are really standing out? Yeah, I think it goes to me, to two people we heard from on Monday, that being British Brooks and Des Evans. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, we're trying to catch glimpses of 
Drake whenever we can. But I think aside from him, um, these are two guys who really a common story comes together in terms of just recovering from injuries in the off season. So British Brooks missed last season was cleared in late January. He said, but in speaking to him on Monday, he really feels like his time away from the field gave him a different perspective on the game. And I think he's going to be somebody who is going to be an incredibly important leader in terms of just establishing that run game this upcoming season. Um, and in terms of Des Evans, very similar situation to Brooks having missed the remainder of the season, I believe after the Miami game due to an upper body injury. And for him, um, actually, sorry, give me a second. Oh, mm-hmm. The pit game. So sorry. So upper body injury suffered in the game against Pitt. Yes. Um, and we spoke to him on Monday again, and he really just echoed Chizik's cries of, again, being violent on defense. And in terms of just some of those half field scrimmages we saw, he certainly looked very physically imposing and was just all around impressive on the defensive end. Um, I think those are two guys that, you know, coming back from injury has really, really motivated them, given them a different perspective on the game is something that came up in both of their interviews. And I think both of them are going to be great leaders for um, their respective position groups. And I, I mean, look, I think both of those guys having big impacts would be huge. Mac Brown's talked about it. He wants to run the ball a lot better and they have mm-hmm. to get after the quarterback a lot better. So if both of those guys step up, that could be massive for this team. Last question I'll ask you, Shelby, Shelby uh, Swanson of the Daily Tar Heels stopping by with us here. Uh, with this being a bit of a crossroads season for the program, you know, last year they do win nine games, but they lose their last four. That followed a season where they went six and seven. I think people are trying to figure out the direction of this team. So when you look at this season, what would you classify as a successful year for this team? Yeah, I mean, 10 wins. Plain and simple, I think. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, and I think the team, especially Mac Brown, um, they've talked a lot about just this idea from going from good to great. And I think really a 10 win Caesar season rather is the mark <laughs> of that. Um, I believe the last time UNC had 10 wins was 2015 under Coach Fedora. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and Again, those last few games really left a sour taste in their mouths. And that's something that each of them, especially Cedric Gray, talked about at the ACC kickoff. And I think they feel that those games were winnable. Um, so, you know, they came close last season. I think this season, um, again, 10 wins is really going to be the marker. I don't think they're going to be satisfied with anything less than that. Man, coming in with high expectations. I mean, I love it. I love it. Um, But you're right, because we heard um, from Drake at ACC Media Days, um, actually the radio station that uh, I work for and that this this podcast is a part of, he stopped by with our afternoon show and said the same thing. It It is get back to the ACC championship game or nothing for this team. So, I think that's the mindset that a lot of those guys around the team are taking. And uh, I don't think it's the worst mindset to have. Uh, Shelby, uh, you were tremendous. Uh, it's great to uh, you know have you out there at, at 
uh, practice uh, with, you know, the rest of the media and everything. You've done a great job. Uh, make sure you guys check her out, Daily Tar Heel Sports. Uh, she is the editor there, bylines for uh, the News and Observer Sports, as well as the Chatham News and Record Sports. Uh, Shelby, thanks for stopping by with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So we want to thank Shelby for stopping by with us. Really appreciate that, guys. She's been doing a great job out there covering Tar Heel practice along with a bunch of other great media members. But if you want to check her stuff out specifically, head over to her Twitter page at Shelby M. Swanson on Twitter. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. Uh, guys, make sure you head over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. She mentioned that both coordinators have spoken here recently. I think I may have said that as well, to be honest with you. But uh, we do have a breakdown on the website uh, going up here shortly after we put out this edition of the podcast that will uh, give you our biggest takeaways from each coordinator of what they had to say when they met with the media on their respective days. Uh, and we're getting closer, guys. We are really starting to close in. I know this morning they are – currently scrimmaging in Keenan Stadium uh, that you would expect that they will have at least one more scrimmage uh, although you kind of wonder how many scrimmages full contact scrimmages for sure uh, Carolina is going to go through remember last year one of those scrimmages was where they lost British Brooks so you wonder if the approach from Mac Brown would be a little bit different but it really is starting to get that close guys we are right around the corner from that September 2nd kickoff against the South Carolina Gamecocks, and we will have you covered when it comes to that game as well. Preview, recap on the website for you guys. Leading up to it, though, we still have position previews that we're going to be running through. Uh, we will, of course, uh, get you guys our articles that we love to do year in and year out, the breakout players as well as the bold predictions. Those will be podcasts as well. And uh, we are going to continue on the podcast side of things to check in with people from camp. Uh, we're going to have, uh, you know, another check-in with Michael Coe here uh, within the next few days, actually. Uh, mentioned that to him after we talked to him after the first day of practice. I know I'm going to try to get Deems May on at some point to sort of talk about uh, what, you know, he feels this team is heading into the season. He, of course – set to be a part of the Tar Heel Radio Network again this year. Uh, and hopefully we will be able to bring on a couple of other national guests. I know David Hale was a guy that I reached out to. We'll see. I know I'm going to try to get him on sometime earlier uh, in the week, this next coming week. So uh, make sure that you guys are keeping an eye out for all of that great content that will be coming out here as we go get you ready for what is a huge season for Tar Heel football coming up so that wraps it up again for this edition of the podcast want to thank shelby for stopping by with me want to thank you guys for listening and as always go tour you Thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition.